good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. You know, the program is designed for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, well, the program's designed for, well, for me. Because, you know, there's a lot I don't understand. Not necessarily something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. And rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, I think a casual front porch-style talk of the pastor is the best way to understanding. That is what this program is all about. And today's guest is Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. You can send in your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org. Or call in at the program at uh, area code 314-8210-850. If you're in the St. Louis area, now that includes Metro East. Or you can call toll-free at any of the lower 48 at 1-800-730-2727. Well, Pastor Lawrence, welcome back. Yes, it's good to be back. Always love to have you on the program. And this is kind of a, a rare one because uh, normally I, I do these over the phone. You know, since Pastor Lawrence is local and since I happen to be a member of his congregation, we get to do it in studio and actually do it face to face. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Pastor, you know, you broached on something last uh, Sunday at church that's been on my mind for a while, yeah. uh, both from an overview and from a more personal view. And that is. The decline in church membership, uh, you know, it's not just the Lutherans, it's, it's going on all over. And this is on, of course, at a major level. But now on a smaller level, mm-hmm. I look at myself. Now, I'm a lifelong Lutheran. Yeah. Been born and bred and raised in, and I consider myself a, 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 con- a convinced believing Lutheran. Yeah. I know that church, we don't go to church to praise God per se, to please him. We go there to receive his gifts to us. Right, right. It's not about what we give him. It's about what we receive Absolutely. from him. Yeah. So why is it that someone like me misses church services? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should be the one asking the question. <laughs> well, you can do that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I, it's a good question. Why is it that... Um, you know, I mean, we do we do praise God too. You mm-hmm. know, we do praise Him, especially when you look in our liturgy. Yeah. There is that hymn of praise. You know, and clearly we praise God. Um, but from our point, you know, our act of worship is more Eucharistic in that it is thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We're thanking God for what He is, what He's giving us, what He has given us, and continue to give us. Um, in word and sacrament and in all our lives. Um, but yeah, you wonder, um, why, um, why people don't feel this need mm-hmm. to, to come and receive. And, you know, like I say, I wish I knew the answer to, to this question. <laughs> um, I have some working theories in my head. Okay. Um, and, uh, if we have callers, I would love to hear you know, what they think is um, contributing to the decline in not just membership, but in attendance. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, even though we have members, even our members feel like, you know, if I go to church once or twice a month, that's enough, or once every three months, that's enough. And um, it really isn't. um, It really isn't enough. 
Uh, and one of the working theories in my head, um, and, and I need some help with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, if we feel that we don't need Jesus, need more Jesus, if we feel that we need less Jesus, why is that? And uh, it could be one of the one of the working theories is um, maybe we are we don't feel that we are as sinful as we really are. Mm. You know, um, maybe we. You know, there is this growing thing in our society to self-esteem and to believe that uh, man is basically good. Yeah. You know, well, I've um, gotten in that argument more than once with yes. friends of mine, and and that's you know that's one of the working theory in my head. In my head is that if if we believe that man is basically good, which is one of the things I heard um, from a good philosopher when I was in college, um, he was trying to explain the difference between socialism or communism and capitalism, mm-hmm. and uh, he was explaining that they are probably more religious than we think and which was kind of puzzling to me as a college student I go how could you call communism or socialism and capitalism religions and he says well because they are operating with a definition of man mm-hmm. and he says when you look at the side of the socialists or the communists they tend to believe that man is basically good and then when you look at the capitalists, they tend to believe that man is basically a brute. And you go, well, that's an interesting theory. It is. It is. <laughs> that's an interesting theory because um, you can see why Christians then would have gravitated toward capitalism because they share pretty much the same definition mm-hmm. of man, that man is a brute, he's a sinner. And, uh, you know, then of course... Even the way we look at government, you know, when you read uh, Romans 13, what Paul has to say about government, um, what did God institute government to do? To punish evil and reward good. Well, why would you institute government for that? Well, because man is a brute. <laughs> he needs to be kept in line, you know. And so, you know, in, in theology, we sometimes talk about the two kingdoms or the two hands. Right. The right-hand kingdom and the left-hand kingdom. And, uh, of course, the right-hand kingdom is the church that preaches the gospel. And the the left-hand kingdom is the, the, the government, which is supposed to have the, the sword. It, it punish evil and reward good. Now, which carries my theory, my working theory, a little further, um, if that is the case, then if we allow these two hands, these two kingdoms to work the way God instituted them to work, then it, it stands to reason in that our country would prosper. And maybe that's what we did for a long time. Maybe we allowed those two hands to operate the way God instituted them to to operate. And maybe we can, uh, maybe the credit for our prosperity, um, our being one of the most powerful and prosperous country in the world, 
could be attributed to those two kingdoms, those two hands of God, um, working in our, in, in our country. Now, if we're, if there is this growing belief that man is basically good, now you can see what's going to happen. There's going to be a tendency now to try and take these two hands, if we're going to call them, let's say the right hand and the left hand of God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're going to try to take God's hands behind him and hunt and handcuff him, um, now somebody might say, well, how can you take God's hands behind him and handcuff him? Well, I would argue that when God is dealing with us by his grace, he's vulnerable. He makes himself vulnerable. When he's dealing with us by his grace. Now, when he's dealing with us by power, by judgment, uh -huh. yeah, then you can't resist him. You know, um, when well, God, we're talking free will, basically. No, we're not talking free not. will. I'm saying when God is being patient with us, when God is dealing with us by his grace, he is long suffering. He is patient with us. He was patient with the evil people in the days of Noah until his patience ran out, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Peter says the, t the same thing, you know, they're going to go off scoffing as if, you know, where is this return, you know, and not realizing that God's long suffering is to bring about repentance in man rather than because God does not want anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance and be saved. So when God is dealing with us by his grace, he is vulnerable. It means that, uh, not that we can choose him, we can't choose him, but it means that we can resist him. It means that we can walk away from him. Yeah, he doesn't force us. No, no, he's not forcing us. But there's a gracious invitation. Uh -huh. And the gracious invitation comes through the gospel. Of course, government has a role to play in terms of keeping society in, in, in track. But play with the theory a little bit. Okay. If we're going to take God's two hands behind him and handcuff him, then what will happen to our country? Mm. Which is, you know, one of my fear. You know, I don't just see the church, you know, declining. I see... The church declining and there's a growing corruption in government where instead of government punishing bad behavior and rewarding good behavior, it's doing the opposite. It wants to reward bad behavior, bad behavior yeah. and punish good behavior. Now, how many how many of our politicians enter service in the House or the presidency or the Senate? As relatively poor people and emerge as multimillionaires. Right. Before you know it, these guys walk away from government very rich. Yes. And, and uh, you go, how, how did, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't make that, you know, your salary isn't that much to, to, to make you rich, but, uh, you know, mm -hmm. if they are taking bribes or, you know, people are paying them yeah. for other things, then, yeah, they can become quite rich, you know. I mean, I don't think the the amount of money that Hunter Biden made from Ukraine and China is any secret. No. Um, and, uh, you know, he's certainly the son of a, a, a politician, a man who's been in politics for decades. Yes. Um, and was vice president. <laughs> 
but again, I think this is my work in theory that uh, as this as there is this growing belief that man is basically good um, in our country, then there's going to be an an endeavor to take these two kingdoms, take the two hands of God and sort of tight behind him and handcuff him. And it could be what we are seeing um, as we look at church attendance declining and as we see corruption in government growing. And that is a real cause for concern um, because if our prosperity um, can be credited to those two hands functioning the way they were um, instituted by God to function, then without them, what's going to happen? You know, if we if we corrupt those two hands, then we could lose our prosperity. We could lose our country. Well, I remember, um, oh gosh, about 20 years ago, I was uh, part of this one discussion group. Yeah. And... Uh, the question was, are you a good person or a bad person? Uh, and there are about 20, 25 of us in there. Yeah. And um, I apparently was the only LCMS person there because I was the only one who said, I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. <laughs> yeah, right, see? And that's, you know, because if you say you're a bad person, you know, it, it's, it's about self-esteem. You know, you've got to have some self-esteem. Don't say you're a bad person. You're a decent person, you know. But okay. A decent person doesn't mean that I am without sin. Being a decent person just means that I don't act on my sinful thoughts or Mm -hmm. my sinful desires. I don't act on it. And so, you know, society is safe with me walking around. You don't need to put me behind bars. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but, uh, um, but that's being a decent person. But I cannot claim to be good you know and i think that's one of one of the things i hinted at um that sunday that uh no not sunday um was it sunday that i hinted hinted at that that to say that we are good is to make us into like a holy god yes yes i think it was sunday Yeah, yeah because yeah you know um because only god is good yeah. Only God is good. So for us to say that we are good is to make us into like a holy God. And not just God, but holy God, um, that we are sinless. Well, like in the confession, when we say, if, if we say we are without sin. Yes, we deceive ourselves and the truth. And I think that's one of the reasons why we have this corporate confession and absolution right at the beginning mm-hmm. of service. It's a, a reminder to us of why we need not less Jesus, but more Jesus. But if if people are convinced that they are good, then they're not going to feel a need for more Jesus. They're going to feel a need for less. I don't need that much Jesus. I'm okay. I'm a good person. I may make mistakes, um, but I'm basically a good person. And uh, how do we reverse that? reverse this growing belief that man is good. Um, it's a difficult one to to overcome. I know we have to continue to preach sin and grace mm-hmm. uh, to remind uh, ourselves um, as to why we need more Jesus and not less Jesus. But I think that's one of my working theory as to why, you know, 
church attendance is declining. Now, I don't want to just blame it totally on and um, on others. You know, I think also the church needs to make sure that we are um, proclaiming Christ Jesus um, the right way. Also, you know, we should not be. Uh, we shouldn't. I don't think it helps if we have unhealthy churches. Definitely, you know, it's not going to help, you know, Um, because if uh, people come into our churches and find them unhealthy um, in terms of infighting and things like that. um, Somebody was pointing out the other day that um, sometimes in some of our churches, we have leaders that um, aren't even in Bible study. And it's like, well, you're leading the church. Who is leading you? Mm hmm. And so you find unhealthy churches when you have church leaders who aren't led by Christ, but they are leading the church. And so they can create a very unhealthy um, church atmosphere, um, and that drives away people also. I heard something uh, actually along those lines. Uh, uh, I, I actually read this on the Internet. Lots of good stuff on the Internet if you know where to look at it. <laughs> when a person says, oh, I don't need church because I read the Bible, uh-huh. well... If you read the Bible, then you know you need church. You should know you need church because yeah. um, if you read the Bible, it should make you aware of why you need more Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really understand the Bible, um, then, you know, and, and that's why you shouldn't just do Bible study in a vacuum. No, and, and you need the you need the, the communion, the community. Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, the communion of saints, as we call yeah, it. Yes, the community of saints. We do need um, the encouragement of each other. Um, you know, we do encourage each other to live the Christian life and to cut ourselves off from the communities, to cut ourselves off from that that encouragement that we, that we need from the brethren, mm-hmm. from pastor, from fellow parishioners, um, as we try to live the Christian life. So, and that's another reason why it is so important, I think, for us to have healthy churches. Um, I think healthy churches will, um, is one way of helping, reversing the process. I think unhealthy churches, um, will drive people away too. Um, especially when they come and they see a lot of infighting, um, going on in a church, it will drive. And, you know, especially when there's a, a, a constant turnover of pastors. Yeah. You know, unhealthy churches and no pastor stays there too long because, you know, he can't take it anymore and he moves on. And, you know, that's one of the things about St. James I like. Yes. Have you been there how many years? I've been there now 17 years. And prior to you, there was Tom Baker. Baker was was there there for about, um, I think, about 39 years or 29 years or something like that. And before him was, um, I think he was there 39 and before him was Walter Warnick, who was there over 40 years. Yeah. So there only been three pastors in the history of the, of the congregation. <laughs> well, when I came, one of the things they told me, they go, you've got big shoes to fill. <laughs> and I've been working ever since to fill those shoes. <laughs> yeah, because it's been, it's stable. It is stable and healthy in that you don't have... Um, a lot of infighting. It's very warm, very welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and the few members that we have are so committed. They are very committed. 
Um, you know, at the end of every year, I look at the finance and I go, wow, you know, for a small congregation, we survived another year. And I think it's because of the commitment of the few. Now, when saying that, I would encourage others to help more because you don't want to have the more pillars you have holding up the churches, the better it is. You don't want just a few of them holding it up. Um, so you would encourage more to become pillars of the church to win and support it. Well, when you look at the few and just how committed they are, you go, wow, this is, this is amazing. You know, this is, this is the grace of God. It is. I mean, I, as I say, I, I have missed some <laughs> services, <clears throat> he said, embarrassed in front of his pastor. <laughs> but I know when I come in after I've missed a few services, you know, I always see the same faces there. Yes. And I feel guilty. Oh, you feel guilty? <laughs> no, not guilty. I feel, I feel ashamed. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know, I just had a memorial service um, on Wednesday um, for one of our members that passed away. And uh, I couldn't help but comment on that, too, mm -hmm. because there were times when this member would just stray away and you wouldn't see him for a while. And I would run into him at Planet Fitness ah. and we would talk, you know, and uh, after the end of our conversation, he would say, I'm, oh, I'm coming back. I'm coming back soon, you know. And of course, you know, that would somehow draw him back and, you know, you would see him sitting in the back coming up for communion. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he would drift away again and, and come back. And uh, so it was a struggle. It was obviously a struggle. And I was kind of hoping he would have gotten past the struggle. But um, even if it's a struggle, um, keep up the struggle, you know, um, try to overcome it. And As long as you're fighting, you haven't lost. <laughs> you haven't lost it if you're fighting. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, I think sometimes, you know, we, we need to look at our need for Jesus. If we can, if we can confess what we are, you know, confessing that we are sinners, confessing that we need Jesus, um, I think that's the start. That's a start to try and reverse this process that is really uh, of concern um, for the church and uh, for the country and for the world, you know, mm -hmm. that I see us as basically taking God's two hands behind him and handcuffing him. And if we do that, we're not doing it to his peril. We're doing it to ours doing it to our peril because there's a lot to lose it's like how are you going to handcuff him and then ask him to bless you yeah you know how are you going to do that well i think you know, i look sometimes at um you're going back a little bit in history when when times are rough it seems that that religious faith increases i mean i'm thinking of the 30s and the 40s during world war ii and i know yes. you know with with my family and my family's friends uh you know if quite literally, it's a part of the expression dodging the bullet during the yes. Second World War. Yes. And they were aware of mm. of just how blessed they were to have survived both the Depression and the uh, and the war. Yeah. But, I, you know, we, we haven't, somehow we've lost that. Yeah, I heard, though, that um, after 9-11, I heard that church attendance went up for a little bit. I believe that. You know, that sometime, you know, we get... 
sometimes it's as if we have to get knocked flat on our backs to look up <laughs> and uh, um, <laughs> and if everything seems to be going well, you know, for example, you know another thing another working theory in my head too is if you look at medical technology, the things that we can do today that we couldn't do back then. Um, back in Jesus' day, if you were diagnosed with just leprosy, that was a death sentence. Yeah. You were going to die. You know, you had to stay away from the city, you had to stay away from people, and uh, you were going to die eventually from leprosy. Today, those are things we can cure. <laughs> yeah. You know, those are things we can cure, and I think people don't feel as vulnerable as they used to. You know, when they look at medical technology and what we can do, it's as if people's faith is more in doctors than in than in God. <laughs> I hear that. I, you, know, you know, I I, I can think of if I had been born a hundred years ago uh-huh. instead of when I was born, uh, I can think of, of at least three or four different things, diseases and what have you, that I had that would have killed me. Right, right. Because you know, no antibiotics back then. Right. Right. I mean, just in my, when my mother was growing up, um, she said in her days, um, um, child mortality was, was pretty high. Oh, yeah. Not every child that is born lived. You know, we now have the technology to <laughs> make sure they live. Yeah. So the chances of a child surviving, um, even if it's born prematurely. Oh, yeah. We can, you know, we can do that. Well, one of my wife's grandchildren was born seven weeks early. Wow. And well, it was touch and go, but he survived. He's, 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 you know, um, because of what we can do. Yeah. But if it had been a few years ago, uh-uh. No, he would not have survived. No. So I think, you know, people don't feel as vulnerable um, because of what we can do. And I think they tend to believe more sometimes in, in doctors than they believe in, in God. Um, that's one of the working theory in my head. Well, we got some more theories to talk about here, <laughs> and uh, some more questions. And and listen, if there's anybody out here who has, for some reason, decided not to go to church this Sunday or last Sunday, give us a call. Tell us why. We want to talk to you. We'll be right back. <laughs> what our listeners are saying about KFUO Radio. It's like we Bible-believing Christians have our own special uh, event. I love that. Wish the whole world could belong to Jesus. I really appreciate this, and I'm enjoying it very, very much. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. Without the fire of the refiner's forge, there can be no glittering gold. And so it is with us. You are more precious to God than gold. But like gold, you and I need refining. 
Dr. Michael Ziegler tells how God refines us through the crucible of Christ's cross in a message titled, Gold Without Glitter, this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Sabbath day is a day of rest, of abstinence from work. It's an idea found in the account in Genesis 2-2. So on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And God's commandment in Exodus 20 verse 8, that the Israelites remember the Sabbath day. In Jewish traditions, Sabbath is observed from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday. People around the world also set aside Saturday or Sunday, recognizing the value of a time of rest. But did you know Christians traditionally worship on Sunday to remember the resurrection of Jesus, as described in the Gospels? The transition from the Jewish Sabbath on Saturday to Sunday may have been done to distinguish early Christians from other sects. Engage with the Bible in the traditions surrounding this book of all books. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm excuse me. I'm program host Kip Allen. <clears throat> Should have had that for lunch. <laughs> and uh, my guest pastor today is Wayne Lawrence from St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. We are discussing two related issues. One is why does a regular why is church attendance you know, among the, the faithful why do they skip why do they skip uh, services? And that related to that is why is overall membership and belief in church sinking? Yeah. And uh, what's going on here? If you have any ideas on that, boy, we sure like to hear it from you out there in the audience, or especially if you're if you've missed a few services. If you want to tell us why, we'd love to talk to you about it. You can call us here at uh, St. Louis area at area code three one four eight two one zero eight fifty or toll free in the lower forty eight at one eight hundred seven three zero twenty seven twenty seven or email us at kip dot oops wrong email <laughs> it's one of those days folks I gotta tell you <laughs> email us at let's talk at kfuo.org once again let's talk at kfuo.org so it, church attendance the regularity of it is going down. Uh, membership overall is going down. I mean, I've seen the studies on this from the Pew Institute and others. It's not just us. I mean, this is all around. The, the right. churches are, are and uh, and uh, synagogues right. are right. losing their members. Yeah, but, and yet and yet there are some churches that seem to be uh, growing. Um. And which is another working theory in my head. Okay. <laughs> that, uh, you know, as we get towards the end um, of time, you know, the scripture tells us that one of the things that will happen in our society is that people will start to have um, itching ears. 
itching ears and they will want to hear what they want to hear, not necessarily what they ought to hear. Yeah. Um, and then, so therefore it is easy to modify or change the gospel and give them a gospel that they want to hear rather than the gospel that they ought to hear. Um, you know, one of um, things that St. Paul said to the, the church in Galatia uh, was, if anyone preached to you a gospel other than the one we preached, let him be accursed. <laughs> ah. That means the gospel is not supposed to be altered or changed in any shape or form. And by gospel, I mean um, the whole counsel, you know, both uh, sin and grace. Yeah, law you know, and gospel. Law and yeah. gospel, yes. Um, that is not to be changed. And uh, I think sometime for success, uh, people will alter the gospel um, for success. Well, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Everything from the uh, from the prosperity churches yes. to the uh, churches who say, well, it, it the Bible doesn't really say abortion's wrong. It doesn't really say that homosexuality is wrong. Yes. Well, yeah, it does. You know, right? And so that's that's exactly that 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 the, the next theory in my head is, um, you know, you have uh, a social gospel that is being mm. preached out there, and uh, sometimes people gravitate more towards the social gospel than the real gospel. Well, we've seen examples of that in the Bible, you know, especially yeah. in the Old Testament, where, yeah. the, uh, where the Israelites, some of the children of Israel, would, would go to Baal or some of these others as well, yeah. because, <laughs> oh boy, these religions are fun. They, they have they fertility work. rights. You yeah, know? they work. <laughs> they work. <laughs> yeah. You know? And we're uh, seeing that today. Yes, you're seeing that. The social gospel or the prosperity gospel and so you have these different gospels out there that are competing with the real gospel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think sometimes it's it's winning because it is selling a gospel that people more want to hear. And so, you know, you can have these mega churches um, where the gospel is just not correct. That's correct. It's just not correct at all. One of the uh, one of the Pew studies I, I read did have one sort of a ray of light in it um, was that it pointed out that uh, the conservative churches, the Bible believing churches like the LCMS, yes. are losing their members at a much lower rate than the more liberal churches, ALCA, you know, LCA, ELCA, or uh, or the Episcopalians. They're yes. losing them too, but at a much higher rate. Maybe the people are sensing that you know. There's something wrong here. This is not what the Bible says. Yes, I think so. Or, you know, it is, it doesn't show them why they need Jesus. Because it doesn't point to sin as sin. Mm -hmm. You know, I can, I can be who, you know, who I want to be and still go to church. You know, um, you pass some churches and you would see the, the rainbows mm -hmm. symbol on it. And um, whether Lutheran or Presbyterian or um, Episcopalian, they will carry that rainbow sign. And yeah, there's one church I pass all the way going up to, always going up to St. James that has that on there. That would be... Um, which it's one, one right at the intersection of Del Mar and uh, Hanley. 
Okay, Delmar and Hanley. Yes, yes. There's, a little bit before you get to that, yeah. Yes. There's also um, one on the Foresight and Big Ben. Mm-hmm. I've seen another, that one. Yeah, I've seen that one, too. So there are some churches that carry that rainbow symbol, and, you know, they're very accommodating and accepting of um, of sin. And, uh, you know, when we don't point out sin to be sin, mm-hmm. then how can we point to the Savior as the Savior from sin? And I think we should also emphasize that we in the LCMS would love to have gay members so to to learn. Yes, yo, we're not saying that a gay person cannot walk oh, no, in and sit down. Oh, no, absolutely love to have them come in. Uh, or for... We, we feel the same way, for example, about cohabiting uh, straight couples. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not saying you can't walk into the church and sit. Now, what we would rather not do, and I wouldn't do it, is commune someone mm-hmm. who is living in open and unrepentant sin. Yeah, you know, you don't want to commune that person because you know that's like, you know, I have that person eating and drinking judgment rather than forgiveness yes and, and you know it says in the in the front of the uh, of our of our abortions yes that you know we request that if you are not lcms do not take communion because you will hurt yourself uh, yes 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 I, yeah. that is intentional to, yeah. to point out that if you if you're not lcms if you are not you know if you're not a communicant member of the lcms church we would rather you not commune and uh, talk to to the past mm-hmm. talk to me about communion um, outside of church. Yeah, and it's not that we're condemning them. We're no, simply saying no, that no. In, if, you, if you approach this wrong, like with anything, driving a car or... Making, You're in danger, yeah. exactly. Yeah. exactly. You, you are putting yourself in danger. Yes. If yes. you accept this without the full understanding of what it uh, is. What it is you're doing, that's true. So, so yeah, so we don't, we're not trying to tell them not to come to Correct. church. But our hope is that they would understand from our teaching and preaching that what they're doing is not correct. It's wrong. It's sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, repentance needs to happen. And by repentance, we also mean a change in behavior, you know, that you don't continue, you know, you don't continue to to live in sin, you know, that there should be a change in um, in behavior. But the churches that just simply allow you to be who you are, that means they're not telling you that you're a sinner and then pointing you to your Savior. Yeah. Then really, then they're not really preaching the gospel. No, they aren't. In all its truth and purity. And... and Perhaps this is, you know, part of the self-esteem movement that's been going on or, mm-hmm. or gee, gee, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm a wonderful person. I, I, I got my participation award. Yeah. And people are not introspective enough. I mean, I, well, I, I think we are using worldly standards. We're bringing these worldly standards, um, into the church too. There was an interview between, um, <laughs> And these two men on television a, a, a while back and uh, one was a born again Christian <laughs> the other one wasn't <laughs> and he was uh, saying to his born again Christian friend he said um, you know the problem with you guys is that you don't bring the Bible into the 20th century you need to bring it into the 20th century 
And his born-again friend was saying to him, no, 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 we can't do that. We can't bring it into the 20th century. If anything, we need to bring the 20th century to the Bible. Yeah. Not the Bible, (laughs) not the other way around. (laughs) And, you know, there is that growing belief, too, that um, the Bible is just an outdated book. It needs to be updated. Um, It's not always applicable or relevant to our times. And... Nothing could be further from the truth. Oh, absolutely not. It's just <laughs> nothing no. could be further from the truth. And yeah, it's uh, there, there. There are some absolute good and evil things. Yes, there is no such thing as as a, a relative or a subjective view of good and evil. Right, uh, and, and that, that's part of it. Is that that. There's a whole segment of society right now that looks at situational ethics. Yes. They, they say, well, you know, I, you know, I'm a bit at this way a little bit, you know. I'm a good person, so I can, no, you know, it's just not it. Or, 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 or they, 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 they try to put you in a corner to, to um, pull on your sympathy, you know. What if it was your son or your daughter, you mm-hmm. know. Um, would you would you hate your son or your daughter? No, I wouldn't. You know, um, it's the same thing with the abortion question. You know, they try to put you in a corner and go, well, what if it was your wife that was raped and got pregnant? You know, mm-hmm. they try to put you in these corners um, to pull on your sympathy and go, well, you know, you, you need to apply that to others, um, and you know. Even if it was my son or daughter that was gay, I wouldn't hate the child. You'd hate but, the sin. But I would hate the sin. I would say, you know, what you're doing is uh, certainly against God. You know, um, repentance need to happen. You know, you cannot um, just live the way you want to live. <laughs> no, because no, when you live the way you want to live, you're giving in to the old Adam. You're giving in to the old Adam, exactly. Yeah. And you're saying, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. If this is the way I am, you know, one of the argument is that I was born this way, mm. so God made me this way, so it couldn't be wrong. I've heard that argument. You know, and it's like, no, 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 no. God didn't make you that way. Sin made you that way. And I think that's where we lose our understanding of sin, just how deep-rooted it is, you know? So we want to excuse certain things and say, it's just part of my DNA. No, no, no. I was born, I was conceived and born in sin. I was a sinner from the moment of conception. Right. You know, it manifests itself in various ways in us. Maybe it manifests in itself in you as a gay person and it doesn't manifest itself in me that way maybe it manifests in me as a a lustful man a lust for women that i'm not married to and you lust for this person of the same gender but either one is sin yeah you know it's not that the gay person is a worse sinner than the straight person no. we are both sinful human sin beings. is sin it i mean there's no sin. degree of sin yeah right you know i'm still in need of a a, a savior just <laughs> like you yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, they, there's this tendency to try and paint you into a corner and try to get you to sympathize with sin and excuse it. 
Um, and, uh, you know, we can't sympathize with it and excuse it. We need to call it what it is. You know, I, re- regarding the uh, abortion question, I always say to someone, you know, if if someone murdered my wife, I guarantee you, and I'm catching up to that person, I guarantee you the cops are going to intervene and try to stop me because they're going to yeah. go, you don't have the right to take the law into your hands. You're acting on pure, you know, um, emotions. Yes. You know, this is the, you're emotionally driven here. There's nothing rational about what you're trying to do. So, you know, we have to realize that people run on two tracks. They can run on the emotional track or the rational track. And uh, when you're running on the emotional track is when you are unpredictable, when you are potentially dangerous. Yes. To yourself and to others. Well, is it? Um, it's, it's, it's part of this, the, the simultaneously being a saint and a sinner. Yes, yes. Yes, we are both saints and sinners, even as the people of God. It's not like because I'm a pastor of a church, mean I'm holier than anyone else. No, I'm saint and sinner. You know, in fact, you know, I like the saying when people say, a saint is a sinner saved by the grace of God. That makes a lot more sense to me. You know, because, yeah, I'm a sinner saved by the, sa- by the, by the grace of God. Yeah. You know, and so, I, you know, again, we, if we could reverse that process and bring home the just how deep-rooted sin is, uh, just how damning it is, you know, just what it does to to us as, per, as as individuals and what it can do to our families and what it can do to our society, um, which is what, I again, I keep seeing happening with society. And, you know, as we corrupt the, the gospel, as we corrupt... The, the doctrines of the church. And this is the conundrum, I think, that uh, people now, the ones who are falling away, yeah. are now, they, they, they don't see the need. Right. And I don't know how we can convince them that they do need this. Yes, yes. You know, we, we can't go out and force them. It's got to come in, you know, from them. Yeah. Or I think sometimes they, they see God as someone just far removed from them you know god is out there and uh, you know they sort of have this deistic view of god you know god is far removed from us and he's not someone i can have a relationship with but that's what worship is worship is about having a relationship Mm -hmm. with god well, that's why we call it communion when we go up for yes, the Lord's Supper. Yes. It's about having a relationship mm-hmm. with God, you know. Um, worship is doing what God used to do with Adam and Eve before the fall. Just you know, walk he used with to through walk the forest, with them yeah. in the garden in the cool of the day and, and talk with them. He had a relationship with them. He had this perfect and harmonious relationship with them. Now, that also brings us to another aspect of sin, because what did Adam and Eve do when they first sinned? They hid from God. Ah, which is what? Which is what we see happening. To, today. As man become more sinful, he wants to hide away from God. He doesn't want to meet with God. Hence the, the rise of atheism, the, the rise yes. of, of prosperity, yes. gospel, the, yes. the rise of 
Right. Oh, you know, yeah. God has got to be someone I can handle, control, manipulate, make him do uh-huh. what I want rather than, you know, um, I have this relationship with him that recognize his will and be happy in his will and want to do his will. Um, no, you know, I'm, I'm so opposed to him. I'm so antagonistic. Um, and there's an antagonism. There's a natural antagonism in us. Um, that is part of what sin is. Oh, yeah. You know? But again, worship is about having that relationship with God, um, where we meet with Him, um, where He speaks to us and we speak back to Him. Um, he speaks to us through His Word, through sacrament, and we speak to Him in our hymn of praise and in our prayers. So there's this back and forth, you know? Um, I know some of my professors used to like use the word Gottesdiener, a German word. <laughs> and they go, you know, God serve us and we serve God, you know, um, as if, you know, worship is this two way street. Well, isn't that, isn't that part of the, the reason for the liturgy? Yes, yes. Part of the reason for the liturgy, it really um, in this two way street, in mm-hmm. this um, two way street with God, what do we want to do as the people of God? We want to speak back to God what God said to us. So we speak back to him his own words, uh, which is what makes us confessional. Mm. You know, we speak back to him um, his word. But worship is about having that relationship with God too. And uh, when you have a relationship with someone, you want to meet with that person. You want to hear from that person. You want to talk to that person. You know... If I go to a pastor's conference and uh, I'm there all day and go out and have dinner with the guys, I know you go back to your room to rest for the night. You know what the first thing I do before I sleep? You Pray. take up your phone and you call your wife. <laughs> <laughs> you call yeah. your wife. Why? Yeah. I had not seen my wife all day. That's right. You know, you pick up the phone and you call your wife. A personal relationship. Yeah. You know, you're not going to go the whole day and just not talk to your wife. <laughs> you <know? laughs> not be married for long. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you have this relationship yeah. that, you know, you, that's the person that you think about, the, you know, as you get up in the morning and you, you go to bed. You think mm-hmm. about her and you want to talk to this person. And I think when we have a relationship with God, yes. Um, we get up and we should pray, you know. One of my professors used to say, you know, don't get up and say, good God, it's morning, but instead say, good morning, God. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I go, well, that's, that's a better way to do it. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes we do that, you know. We get yeah. up and we feel bad about the day and we say, good God, it's morning. I got to say, I do that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and that may be one of the reasons why I miss uh, <laughs> services sometimes. You know? <laughs> oh, no, it's morning. It's oh. morning. <laughs> you know, we should be saying good morning, God, you know. <laughs> Um, I think, you know, this relationship with God is so important for our uh, spiritual welfare, our spiritual strength, our mm. spiritual growth. Um, and uh, without it, we're not, uh, we're not strong, we're weak, we're weaker without it. You know, we're not stronger without it. We might think we're strong and that we can handle sin, we can take on our sinful nature, we can take on the devil, we can take on the world, uh, we're no match for them. 
we are no match for those three. Um, the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. Um, we need the word of God. We need more Jesus, not less Jesus. And uh, we need to try and convince people of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... One thing that, that helps with me, I, I don't think it's going to help the uh, situation of some, but like when I when I leave the communion rail, yes. I know that before I get back to my pew, I will have sinned, at least in thought. Yes. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. But I also know that I'm forgiven. Yes. And I know that I need this forgiveness. I'm not sure other people think that they need forgiveness. Yeah, and, and and that's the problem, you know. Do we need the forgiveness? Yes. I need to, you know, I need to be aware that, yes, God has forgiven me for the sins I commit, not only yesterday, um, not only today, but, yes, even the sins I, I'm going to commit tomorrow. It's true. That's the gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that forgiveness of sin that um, we have because of Christ and Him crucified. Um but again, you know, we don't want to excuse it and go, well, then I can do whatever I want. Yeah. You know, I think the response, you know, the proper response to the gospel um, is a life of gratitude. You know, that's why there is something Eucharistic about worship. There is a thanksgiving aspect on our part, um, knowing that we have a good God. You know, I'm not good. But I have a God that is good, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I have a good God, and so that is something to be thankful for. Um, and one of the ways we say thank you is in worship. You know, one of the mm-hmm. ways we give thanks is in worship. Uh, in fact, even before you know, you have this prayer of thanksgiving um, as the the Eucharistic prayer, um, but right before communion, um, this prayer of thanksgiving. Um, and, uh, yes, it shows us again that that is the proper response. Yeah. Um, thankfulness in worship and also thankfulness in the way we live. You know, we should live thankful lives, but it starts with worship. It starts on Sunday. It starts in worship mm-hmm. and it goes with us throughout the week. You know, because at the end of service, what is it that is placed on us? The very name of God. Yes. God's name is placed on us at the end of worship, reminding us that we're a part of his family. We are his children. And uh, we should live lives that uh, bring honor to him rather than shame or disgrace, you know? Well, Pastor, I'm afraid you've got about 30 seconds left. (laughs) 30 seconds left. Okay. Okay. So what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts is... um, Again, I am really concerned about the direction we are going. I am concerned that we are handcuffing God's hands behind him um, by corrupting the, the church and government. And my prayer is that we reverse this process, that we preach the gospel in all its truth and purity, and that his people realize that there is sin and grace and they need more Jesus. Wonderful thoughts once again. We do need more Jesus. Pastor, I want to thank you, as always, for your wonderful insights. Yeah. And we'll get together again. Yeah, we'll do it
listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.